This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 403 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Wonderful. I'm excited. Got a lot of questions about this, so we finally get to share with our with everybody our 2020 Professional Book Nerds Reading Challenge. Um, because people are going to ask, and I know they're going to ask anyway, but I'm going to say right at the top, you can find this on our website. We will pin a tweet on Twitter. We will post it on Instagram. Uh, I'm sure there will be a blog that the Overdrive Twitter handle shares. And when you still ignore all those things and email us, we'll send it to you that way as well. Accurate. Because that was, it was relentless at the beginning of last year. The people were like, where can I find it? And I'm like, here are all the locations. And they're like, can you just send it to me? It's like, sure. Here you go. Yep. So, um, yeah. So, for those of you who didn't do the last one, uh, do you want to explain maybe kind of what we did like last year and just basically the, the gist of this for people who are new to it? Because we had a lot of people that they'd never done a reading challenge before. So kind of let you explain. Sure. So we um, selected 12 types of books we encourage you to read um, to hopefully get you outside your normal reading comfort zone. Um, per our rules, you are not allowed to double dip on titles. Mm -hmm. So you have to read 12 unique books to um, get all of the uh, the challenge completed. Um, you have all year to do it. We know some of you will turn it in early. That is entirely fine. But you have all year to complete it. And then if you complete the challenge uh, before December 31st, 2020, whew, it feels so long it away. It feels long. <laughs> it We'll get here fast. Correct. Um, send us a picture, scan, whatever, of your completed list, and um, you'll be entered to win a device. Yeah. Uh, there absolutely were some that I remember people sent us, like, in March. They're like, mm -hmm. done. Yep. Like, okay. Yep. Um, but, yeah, we stole this idea because all sorts of people do this, but um, Book Riot has a very popular one. Um, there's various other ones. Our friends over at Reading Glasses do their own. They, well, they did one in 2019. I'm sure they'll do one in 2020. I feel like once you are a uh, popular book podcast and you do a reading challenge, I feel like if you were to not do one the next year, your people would yell at you. So That's probably I true. know we would have because yeah. this is the most responses I've ever gotten about anything. Yep. Just like, when are you going to share this? So, And I am assuming, like we did last year, we will have episodes throughout the year where we offer up um, suggestions for any of these if you maybe find them difficult or aren't really sure where to start to find a, a book. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because A, to be kind to you guys, but B, because we always need Thursday episode ideas. Also true. And as I'm looking through these, like a lot of them can just, they will probably just end up being um, entire episodes for like individual ones of these because there's so yeah, many, there'll there be a are. lot of options. So 
Um, yeah, I guess we can, like, you and I can just kind of go back and forth and just because it's all we're going to do, like, if we wanted to explain our reasoning or something behind, like, which one, some of the ones that we picked. Okay. We can do that. Some of them will be very straightforward, but some of them might not be. So do you want to start? I know that I think we both have this list. Yeah, we do. I do. Weird. Uh, if we neither of us had it pulled up, like, who remembers? Awkward. No. So, um, number one on the list is a book that was originally written in a language other than your own. So we were very specific about the language we used, language in terms of how we wrote this question out. So a, a book that was translated into your language, whatever language that is. Um, and we just, you know, I think it's important to read from authors who, you know, do not necessarily have the same language as you as their original mother tongue or whatever. And so... Yeah, and it also shows you one of the, um, speaking of reading glasses, a long, long time ago, they had a translate, like someone who translates books for a living on their podcast, and it right, reading a book that was originally written in a different language like gives you a new appreciation for the work that translators do. Like, yes. Incredible stuff yep. that, um, yeah. And we like you said, we specified not other than English because – uh, we have this fun tool that we use that is to show us like how our podcast is doing around the world. And we've seen that there's a bunch of random countries that I can't possibly understand where they found us from. Um, but we're pretty popular in like a lot of Eastern European countries. Uh, so who knows? if any of our Eastern European listeners, if your first language isn't English, go ahead and read a book that is written in English. Um, yeah. So the second one is book written by an LGBTQ plus author. Uh, we had something, I think, similar to this last year, but, I mean, we don't need to really get into why we, we think this is important. You should, much like seeing things from other languages and other people's experiences, reading something by someone who is an LGBTQ plus background, uh, it gives you kind of a different way to see the world and a different experience. And, I mean, a lot of these books, I always laugh like the uproar about certain books that there will be a relationship and it's like a guy and a guy or a girl mm. and a girl or anything like that. When in reality, like, it, the story is the same either way. Just the, It's just a yep. relationship that you know happened. they happen to put in there, which always makes you laugh when there's an uproar of those things. So, um, yeah, that one's pretty straightforward. Again, I feel like that one will certainly end up being an entire episode that we'll do um, just because it's good content that we can always create. Agreed. Yep. Next one is a collection of short stories or an anthology. Fun fact, we have done an episode on the anthology, and I think some short story collections got mixed in. So we put this together just as a clarification. doesn't matter which one you pick, but short stories is a collection written by the same author in one book. An anthology can be either fiction or nonfiction of, you know, essays or short stories written by different authors. I have always wanted to see a... I want. I would love to see anthologies where there's like a central theme through all of the stories. Like I feel like those are really rare. Like either there's a. I think they're. Be- do you mean in terms of fiction or nonfiction? Um, nonfiction, f- they're becoming more popular. Yeah, I would say in fiction, okay. like something like I have this idea, this like it, to someday do this, and I think I've said it on older podcasts, but like coming up with like a specific character that is somehow in every single story, whether they're the main character or a side character, like, I think it'd be fun to like mm-hmm. let a bunch of different people play in the space. So if anyone knows of any of those from a, like a fiction standpoint, just email. I would be curious for my own personal benefit. 
Um, the next one is read a graphic novel. Uh, again, pretty straightforward, but graphic novels are a really unique way. There's so many different ways to read that are all reading. You know, there's obviously the traditional physical books, there's ebooks, there's audiobooks, which is a storytelling way that really is like kind of the first way that we had stories told to us by having someone read to us or just tell us stories uh, orally. And then, um, you know, graphic novels is a really cool way to experience stories both visually and that, that, you know, you can tell the story in a different way than you can with just the words. And you might find that you really, really like them. It's also something that's great for kind of struggling readers or like high-low readers, um, younger people who may not have as strong as a reading capability. Uh, Graphic novels is a great way to take them from being a reluctant reader to a thriving reader sort of thing. So even if you've never read a graphic novel and you're in your 60s or 70s, it is never too late. Graphic novels are awesome. Um, And again, that's probably another one that we'll do a whole episode on, I'm sure. And I know we have before. So fun fact, um, (laughs) we, let me actually, let me see. My husband watched The Watchmen. I would love to talk about it for six hours right Well, now. here's the thing. I, in the beginning, the first few episodes, had no idea what was happening, and uh-huh. I'm still not entirely sure. But by the second half of the season, <laughs> yeah, after the, shall we say, memory episode. So good, yes. Okay, uh-huh. I was hooked on that one, and so I've, I've watched the second half of it with him, um, and I was like, okay, this is great. So I may... That may be my graphic novels. Yeah. The original Watchmen. Oh, if you're going to pick a graphic novel, you you can't do much better than those. Um, there's this whole thing. If you're not familiar with what's going on, so Watchmen was created by Alan Moore, and uh, he routinely told people like this is not a filmable story. It is you cannot recreate this as a movie. You'll never be able to. And then uh, was it Zack Snyder that made... I don't even remember. There was a Watchmen movie that came out a couple of years ago, a while ago at this point, that I thought was pretty good. Um, Alan Moore famously hated it. He's like, this is a terrible like terrible version of it. And then so this show that just came out on HBO, um, and they just did the finale this weekend, and it's so good. Uh, they basically took the Watchmen story and then they expanded on it into the future. And I haven't seen what Alan Moore says about this. I think he liked it, but I think he just thought it was fine. Alan Moore seems like one of those grumpy guys where he's like, never, he would never like approvingly say anything like positive of something that was a recreation of his own. But yeah. what I will say is people who say like, why does Alan Moore get all uppity about this? If you read the Watchmen graphic novels, you'll realize because it's, it's like a perfect story. It's so good. So you could do... You couldn't do much better yeah. than doing that. That might be mine. That might be mine. Oh, I would love to talk about that show. <laughs> um, okay, so I just realized we lied to you at the top of this. I didn't want to say... Well, wait. Which one are you... Yeah, I didn't want to say... Yeah. So I said 12 at the beginning. It's really 13 because <laughs> this next one is to read two books on the same topic, one fiction and one nonfiction. So like if you were me, for instance... Mm-hmm. You could read, like, uh, you know, Alison Weir's biography of the rise and fall of Anne Boleyn, and then you could go read The Other Boleyn Girl by Philippa Gregory, and there you get it. One topic, one fiction, and one nonfiction book. I don't want to do that at all for those particular books. That's like the- You don't have to do no, that one. Me. I know, not me. <laughs> we will definitely do an episode on this because it is- um, this could be if it could be it's it could be very easy to find some, but it also Correct. could be 
I think a great way to do it, honestly, if you want to like kind of game the system, look up popular historical, like wa- look up a like historical, historical fiction, fiction. Mm-hmm. and then use that historical fiction to find your uh, your nonfiction afterwards. Correct. Yeah, that was. I think you you came up with that. I did, and I was really proud of it. It was super awesome. Um, I'm gonna let you do the next one because this is the next one's also a very Jill thing. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, so our next one is a micro history. Explain. So a micro history is a nonfiction book that um, is about one topic or one item where the author really, really digs in deep on this subject. So um, Mark Kurlansky is really popular for writing food micro histories like salt, a world history, <laughs> or <laughs> milk, <laughs> a 10,000-year food fracas. He has ones on cod and paper. So, um, you know, there's a you don't have to read just his books. There's a lot, but he's really good about writing those kind of micro histories where you just really, really, you know, like find a topic and just dig in deep on that thing. Yeah, I know Mary Roach is another one. Yes, um, she has uh, Bonk is one, mm-hmm. which is one about like sexual sexual physiology. Um, there's Sandeep Juhar's uh, a Heart a History. You're gonna see a lot of them that say names kind of like this, where it's like. Pox, an American History by uh, Michael Wilrick. So right. we'll do an episode of this where I'll mostly be quiet and I'll let Jill kind of go through. Um, I feel like a lot of these start as like oral histories that are like long form on like Vox or Variety or The Ringer and then they get turned into a book. Um, there's some just really... Oh, I mean, there's one on cannibalism. I'm looking these up too. Oh, and it's a frog eating a frog on the front. That's sad. Well, sure. Uh, okay, I think I found the one I'm going to do. Uh, Holy Shit, A Brief History of Swearing by Melissa Moore. There you go. Yeah, we'll do more of these for you guys. I'm, oh, oof, there's some pretty sad ones, guys. There's one on white bread. Yeah. Uncommon it, Grounds, The History of Coffee and How It Transformed Our World. Red, A History of the Redhead by Jackie Collis Harvey. There's so many of these guys, and we'll, like I said, we'll do a whole collection or a whole uh, episode on these. But yeah, this is a very Jill gets very <laughs> you get very into these. Um, one that is not going to be an episode because it's all about you is reread a book you have not read since high school. Um, so just thinking back to the books that I read in high school that uh, would probably qualify a lesson before dying. Uh, we read when I was a senior in high school. I haven't revisited that. Um, Huckleberry, Huck Finn, uh, not The Princess Bride because I read that a ton. Um, but yeah, just think about all the the classic books that you read in high school, or maybe you had a cool high school and you got to read something that was like somewhat newer, uh, whatever it was that, but you haven't like revisited. Take a look at it, reread it, because you'll probably come from a different angle on those books and have a much better understanding of, um what the book means and, and all that stuff. I imagine we're going to get a lot of these that say Great Gatsby. That would be my guess. Is several people will Possible. do the Great Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah. Just reread a book that you haven't read since high school. So Mine's probably going to be Wuthering Heights because that's been that's one that's been on my list for a while to mm-hmm. reread. I did go to a cool school and we I took a science fiction literature course. Oh, that's really I read cool. Ender's Game, but I also read it once a year so that it doesn't count. It doesn't count for you. I, um, I took the one... I went to John Carroll University here in Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. Go Streaks. And I the one math class I had to take was called Math and Creativity. So we got to read uh, Alice's Adventures of Wonderland and like, huh. like did all like the word problems and all the 
yeah. um, nonsensical stuff in there. Yeah, that I that wasn't high school, and also I you yeah reread Alice all the time. Yeah, <laughs> so that wouldn't count for me. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Next up, we have a self-published book. Yes, this is important. This is very important. Self-published authors are. They are out there hustling. Yeah, they are. And they are the people who they are doing most everything for themselves. They are looking for places to get their book. They are promoting themselves. They are, in a lot of times, doing their own artwork and things like that. Or hiring people to do it for them. Yeah. Yeah, So we'll definitely do an episode on this. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have mad respect for self-published authors. Speaking of, in a couple of weeks, a very, very popular self-published author who doesn't need our promotion, but she's amazing and we love talking to her. Uh, Penny Reed will be back on the podcast. Long, uh, long overdue that she come back. And I may have to use her book that she talks about from the uh, for this one. Yeah. Um, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. Read, read all of her books. Um our good friend Jandra Sutton, who we haven't talked about in a long time, she self-pubbed a book called Fragile, which will make you cry, mm, and it's really, really indeed. good. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll do an uh, episode on that too. But yeah, self-published books, um, the publishing world, and Jill knows this much more than I do, uh, it is so hard to find first a an agent and then a publisher. And just because someone hasn't done all of those steps does not mean that their books aren't incredible. Right. Yes. Plus, there is admittedly financial benefits to self-publishing, mm-hmm. but you got to hustle for it, which is why I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but if you were to, I mean, you have a publisher at this point, but if you if you were to, you're the type of person that I feel like would do it very, very well. No. This is me giving you a compliment. Don't you deflect that. Uh, <laughs> I'm allowed to disagree with you <sighs> on the ethic of work that would come with my ability to be a successful self-published author. I know yeah. myself too well. That's fair. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. I'll let you do the next one. Okay. A, we were probably going to have to do an episode of this one too. It is a non-traditionally formatted storytelling book. What we mean by that is a book that is not just straight prose of paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. So oral histories like Daisy Jones and the Six. There are others, of course, <laughs> but um, or a mix of formats. You know, if it is maybe I can't even think of any off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, no, I, I there's one called Thornhill by Pam Sly, which is a graphic novel that one chapter only uses pictures to depict what's going on, and then the and then the in between chapters are like journal entries. Okay, um, Dead House by. Don Kurtag, which is the same way, where one is journal entries and the other one is like notes left by people. Um, do you say you said uh, the House of Leaves is just like a House of Leaves is I can't even describe that to you, so that counts. Um, epistolary novels, so things that are letters or journals, as the me the main mode of getting information across yeah. to readers. Like Dracula, I think, is probably the most famous one of those, but. Um, we need to talk about Kevin, I think, would probably work mm-hmm. for Epistolary. Um, but again, you only need to pick... What about Carrie from Stephen King? Is that... Do they do, like... I don't think so. Okay. It's um, been a while since I read it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't... Just to clarify, you just pick just one. Just pick one. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I would encourage you to read House of Leaves. Just be forewarned, it takes a while. I never had. And that's... I'm not entirely sure it's available in digital because of the formatting. So. It is available as an ebook. We do have it, but that's like one of the few books that we will open. Like I've heard people at Overdrive yeah, be like, "Don't read it on our." Yeah, I would not recommend it as an ebook. Don't read it on Libby. Um, so yeah, be interested. I feel like that would be a fun one. Um, the next one, just such a write up our podcast on a, brand. A book featuring a cat or dog. I, Jill's a cat person. I'm a dog person. You guys all know this. We ask our nerd nine of every author and see if they're a cat or dog person. I We need to know. And listen, here's the thing that I'm going to tell you. There is a website called DougDoesTheDogDie.com, and it works for every type of animal. If you are type of person who does not want to see the animal uh, be put in danger, or if the animal is put in danger, if you are... Like you can't get over the fact that they die. I am one of those people. I go to this website and it doesn't give you any spoilers other than letting you know that the animal in that particular book, uh, it actually works for movies or shows as well. Mm-hmm. It lets you know if they survive. And so if you find a book that's about, a you know, involves a cat or a dog prominently, just go to that website and you'll be in the clear. Also, bonus points. I can't, we used to just tell people to do this all the time. Tag us in your cat or dog pictures, people. You should do that. We haven't gotten enough of those lately. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, next up, we have read the first book of a series. Yeah. Because why not? Yeah. So find a series. That sounds interesting. And read the first book. Yeah. Uh, this is us selfishly wanting you to read more. Because if you read the first book of the series, hopefully you will. Yeah. To keep going. Yeah. Or you won't like it. And that'll be a bummer. But that can... And, I guess we could probably do an episode of that, but it's pretty, there's so many series out there. It's pretty easy. We don't really need to like. Unless we talk about our favorite series. That's true. We could definitely do that. Um, <laughs> but by the way, for Cat or Dog one, uh, if you're relatively new to the podcast, just go to professionalbooknerds.com and search Cat or Dog. Jill and I both did our own specific episodes about cat books and dog books. We did. And for those cozy mystery people out there, there's a lot of them that feature cats. Sometimes they're right on the cover. So that makes it super easy, and you can almost be guaranteed that the cat is going to be okay at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cozy mysteries, have they tend to have happy and like nice, like things like tied up in a bow nicely. So, um, okay. The last one is a book written between 2000 and 2010. Here's our reasoning. Popular books come out, and if you are a heavy library user – it's pop. It's possible and even probable that you may have to wait for a little while for those books. So maybe you don't even place a hold on them. Maybe you forget about them. Um, and we wanted people to read something that isn't technically like a classic, like the 1900s or 1800s, which you can obviously do. But we wanted to have you read some books that came out a while ago. That because we were trying to think about like mid list or back list, but that's confusing. Mm-hmm. Just pick a book between 2000 and 2010. We can definitely do it. Oh yeah, so we'll yeah. Fun with that because I think for me, you know, it's about yeah, encouraging you to read something that is older but not really old, like a classic book. Um, but you know, also you know, everyone's talking about all the books of this decade, the best books of this decade. But what were some of the books that were, you know, coming out twenty years ago? So yeah. you might find someone that you forgot about that you really liked twenty years ago and hadn't read since. Yeah. And just to clarify, not a book set in those time periods. Correct. A book that was written in those time periods. So like you may find a book that was written like now-ish that's set right. 
in 2000. Yeah, had to like, have come out in 2000, between cor- 2000 and 2010. Correct, yeah. I'll be interested to see what people do with that. So um, so that's it. That's all 12. Those are our, our t- Professional Book Nerds 2020 Reading Challenge. Uh, challenges. <laughs> we... <laughs> Uh, like I said, we'll do episodes for all those. But if you are getting a jump like really quickly right away on this and you want some suggestions, just shoot us an email. Uh, we'll be happy to help out. But yeah. Um, other stuff? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we'll, you know, we didn't obviously offer you any like real time books that we're reading right now, but that's because we're in the middle of recording like three episodes for you guys. Accurate. So. Um, there's all sorts of holiday episodes that we'll have for you guys with our best books of the year and of the decade. And then we'll have January books and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, that's everything. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hey nerds, I'm Sarah, the Paper Nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the Paper Fold, where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, the Paper Fold, now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network.